Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Great to be with you again. Good morning. You can do better than that. Good morning. Amen. Good to be here. And um, yes, yeah, thanks, uh, Pastor Glenn. It's, uh, it, the years tick by and we uh, have been uh, coming into the house here for a number of years and just appreciate the opportunity. I was um, with you here last September and on that occasion I was speaking from Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Uh, be fruitful and multiply. And uh, speaking about harvest, as I was coming across to New Zealand on that occasion, I felt the Lord began to speak to me about the fact that it's harvest time in New Zealand. And uh, very much, uh, you know, along the line that Jesus said to the disciples, uh, lift up your eyes and see that fields are white unto harvest. And the fact was that they couldn't see it. Uh, because they were looking in the wrong direction. And I think often we can uh, be saying, well, it can't be harvest time because there's not many people getting saved. But the reality is if you don't see it, you're not going to see it. And so it becomes a faith thing and a thing of the spirit and, and sensing what God is saying and seeing what season we're actually in and the purposes of God for the nation. And it's been interesting to me to see uh, some of the churches that we're involved with and, and uh, various uh, evangelistic events up and down the nation over the last uh, few months in particular, are starting to see uh, much more of a stream of people committing their lives to Christ. And I do believe that as a church, you need to position yourselves more effectively to gather the harvest. And, you know, we lived for a few years in South Australia, and it's primarily a grain-growing area. And at harvest time, uh, everybody gets involved. And so it's about mobilising everybody that's available to help bring in the harvest. And so they would literally have the machines, the tractors and whatever running 24 hours a day. And so dad would be sitting on the tractor, uh, you know, for hours until his eyes are hanging out and he can't see anymore. And then his teenage son will take over and, you know, it just keeps rolling like that. And so when we start thinking about harvest, uh, you know, it's a different season than sowing. It's a different season than wintertime. It's a different season than, than summertime. Uh, it's a specific time that requires different equipment, a different approach, a lot of activity. It, in, it, it, it involves us engaging in the season and uh, mobilising as many as we uh, can possibly uh, to engage in the process. And um, as I came into New Zealand this time, I've still got that theme kind of resonating in my heart and I want to share a few thoughts with you this morning and uh, just uh, build on what we were talking about Last time I was here, even though you can't remember it, I have just reminded you. <laughs> uh, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, it makes a statement, God is love. God is love. And um, it's not saying that God does loving things. It's not saying that God has an expression of love toward you. It's not saying that he's a loving person. It's actually saying that God is the essence of love. It's saying that love is an integral part of who God is and what he's like. It's a statement uh, about the makeup of God. It's more than a character trait. It's actually a definition of his nature. So it's indicating to us that it's impossible for God to do, to say, 
to think or initiate anything that violates his nature of love. Everything God does, ever has done, ever will do, is motivated by love. He cannot deny himself. He he can't function in contradiction to his inherent nature. God is love. Uh, We were singing a refrain from the Jesus Culture song entitled Miracles. And uh, the verse sort of goes on to say, the one who made the blind to see, the one who made the deaf to hear, the one who does impossible reaching out to make me whole, the one who put death in its place. You're the God of miracles. But actually, it's not a song about miracles. And it's not a song about healing. It's not a song about breakthrough. It's a song about God. He is the one. And as an expression of his love, he does amazing things. He, he, and, and when we focus on him, when we seek after him, when we fall in love with him as an expression of his love for us, he intervenes in our lives with miracle working power. And his desire is that you and I would come into an intimate relationship with him and that his love and his power would impact every area of our life, that every area of our life would come under divine influence. (laughs) He's a miracle worker. He's a way maker. Where there is no way, he will make a way. And maybe you're facing a river that seems uncrossable, but he is the one that makes a way. You might be facing a mountain you can't get around, but he's the one that makes a way. You might be facing situations and relationships that are impossible, but he will make a way. It might be in your health, but he will make a way. It might be in your finance, in your business, in your profession, in your studies. It can be in any area of your life. He is a miracle worker and he's a way maker. And um, when Jesus came in his earthly ministry, he came to reveal the Father. That was one of his primary functions, to reveal the Father and the Father's realm. So everything he did was an expression of the Father's heart. So he goes around healing people and and engaging in, in, in meeting human need as a display of the Father's love and the Father's heart. And he said on more than one occasion to the people, if you don't believe what I say by the fact that I'm saying it, you have to believe on the basis of the miracles because there's something going on that you can't explain. And it's expression, not just of power, not just of authority, but of the love of God. And so he intervenes in people's circumstances and... and, um, uh, and, and, you know, and towards the end of his earthly ministry, he was very specific in instructing and empowering his followers so that they could continue the ministry on earth of both teaching and doing. And so he came, and, uh, and because, see, miracles are an integral part of the good news. It's an integral part of it. The healing of the sick. If you read your scriptures... Actually, Jesus died as much for your healing as he did for your sin. The scripture is very clear. He carried away all of your infirmities. He carried away all of your weakness. He carried away your poverty. 
He carried away your brokenness. He ca- it says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, he suffered mental torment so that you and I can be free from worry and anxiety and stress and all of those things. And the peace of God that passes understand. It doesn't make any sense. You're in the middle of crazy stuff going on, but you got peace because he, he provided peace. He carried away your mental torment. Someone can get happy in here this morning morning. And so this gospel of good news is for everyone. It's not just that that God loves you, but He is love and He wants to invade your life. He wants to invade the lives of everybody around about you. And so Jesus, at the end of His earthly ministry, he's, He's instructing and empowering His disciples. And He says to them, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Therefore, go in my name, go in my name. See, in the Hebrew mind and and Hebrew culture, Hebrew language, the name is as the person. There's no distinction between your name and who you are as a person. So when we take the name of Jesus, it's like he steps into the arena. It's a reflection of who he is, of his authority, all authority in heaven and earth. And he gives it to you. Come on, turn to somebody and say he's talking to you. He's talking, I'm talking to you this morning, see. He gives us authority. And then he, he says to the same people, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power. So you have authority, but now you have supernatural ability. How many know Holy Ghost lives in you? Come on. You carry His anointing. The gifts of God are within you. And so He equips, He sets people up to continue His ministry on the earth. And um, I want to speak to you this morning about miracles. I um, See, you can't talk about harvest without talking about the demonstration of the power of God. I was sharing with the service earlier that uh, at the end of 1984, the Lord really impacted me out of the account of Elijah on Mount Carmel. And he's confronting the nation which has become a pagan nation. They're worshipping all sorts of idols and gods. And he stands in front of this crowd and he says, if Baal be God, worship him. If Jehovah is God, worship him. And the people don't answer because they hear the question, but they can't discern the answer because they don't know who's God. Historians tell us that over that period of time, there were probably as many as 600 different gods. The name Baal is a generic term for the idols and gods that they worshipped. So when he said, who's who's God? They didn't know. Because everybody's saying, this is what you need. This is what you got. This is the idol you should worship. Worship this, worship that, worship something else. And they don't know. But when Elijah said, let the God who answers by fire from heaven, let him be God, all the people went, yeah, that's a good idea. In other words, help us define who is God by the demonstration of supernatural power. And on that occasion, the Lord said to me, it's your responsibility to bring a demonstration of the power of God to your community. And and I want to say to you today, it's your responsibility to bring a demonstration of power, the power of God to this community. 
Because you can go out on the street and you can say Jesus is Lord and everybody goes, well, I don't know. Because down the road, they're proclaiming something else and something else. And we've got gods of sport and gods of materialism and all sorts of other gods. You know, Eastern mysticism has infiltrated Western thought to an incredible degree. And all sorts of stuff is going on. But see, when there's a miracle, when there's something that they can't explain, see, signs and wonders that will make people wonder. I wonder what that was. Well, you see, now you can tell them what it was. Jesus, you know, the kingdom of, he started preaching. He says in Matthew 4, 17, from that time, he began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of God is near. In other words, their concept was God is distant. And so he's breaking their mindset and saying, actually, God is not distant. He's not sitting up there on his rocking chair in heaven or something or other. He wants to come right into your world. He wants to scratch you where you itch. He wants to invade your circumstances. He wants to reveal his love in miracle working power in the circumstances of your life. And that's the message that you and I are to carry to the world. (laughs) You know, when... When the Lord began to speak to me about stepping out of my comfort zone into miracles and that kind of thing, uh, you suddenly find yourself, how many know God wants to stretch you? Amen. You get stretched. Uh, I was saying that when, because out of that, the Lord began to speak to me about starting to run miracle services in the church we were pastoring in Auckland at that time. And, uh, you know, we were excited about that. We thought God's going to do something awesome. It's going to be great. Advertise it in the paper. The first miracle service, I rock up. There's a crowd. There's all sorts of things. There's people come out of the community for healing. And, um, and so I'm excited until I realize I'm the preacher and I've never done this before. You know. And so you got all these broken people. And, uh, and the first inclination is to look for the person with the headache. Let's start there, you know. (laughs) Or look for the person that's got some kind of internal uh, problem that we can pray for and nobody knows whether they got healed or not. (laughs) But in that time, you know, we saw God do amazing things and, 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 and we've continued with that. And it's not what happens in the church. I don't believe miracles are primarily for the, for the church, to be honest. They're for the marketplace. Because that's where there needs to be the demonstration. Actually, there's other ways. Scripture's very clear about other ways you can get healed. Other ways, you've got to exercise your own faith. You've got to believe the promises. You need to lay hands on yourself. Come on, somebody. And, and call for the elders and they will anoint you with oil. There's healing in the communion. There's all sorts of ways for the church. It's not to say there shouldn't be miracle power in the church, but primarily it's about the message of the gospel and, the, and, and, and uh, uh, in enforcing the authority of the kingdom in the marketplace so people are confronted with the reality that Jesus Christ is alive and well. He rules and reigns and He wants to touch people's lives. And so the idea that we can preach some sort of gospel message without a display of the power of God is not a biblical concept. 
And it's not effective. Because people need power encounters. How many know what I'm talking about? They need deliverance. They, they need somebody with faith to lay hands on them and take authority over the assignment of the devil against them in their marriages and families and finance and all the rest of it. And so this morning, you know, in, in 1 Samuel 10, verse 6 and 7, the, the prophet Samuel is prophesying over Saul. And he says to him, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you and you'll be changed into another man. I don't know about you, but when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 1970, I have never been the same since. Never have. And I want to say to you, if you haven't been radically changed by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to get filled with the Spirit again. Because He comes to change you. He comes to shift things in your life. He comes to set you free. He comes to impregnate you with life and power and vitality and passion and intensity. Come on. Come on. And so he's changed into another man. And then, and then Samuel says to him, uh, you're going to start to prophesy because when, when Holy Spirit comes, see, he activates the dormant gifts in your life. Things begin to happen in a supernatural plane. You step out of natural limitations into another realm of the Spirit. That's why you have to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is evidence of the baptism. And, and you need to speak in tongues. Why? Because the Bible says you build yourself up in the Spirit. You become mighty in spirit. It says that as you speak in tongues and you speak mysteries unto God, you're not speaking unto man, you're speaking mysteries. And the word mysteries means the secret counsels of God that are, uh, are uh, revealed to the initiated, not to normal mortals is what Strong says. In other words, as I pray in the Spirit, I begin to engage with that, with the heart of God, the mind of God. Revelation comes, insight comes, understanding comes beyond the natural. Come on, son. We're called to live and be empowered out of another realm. That's good preaching, I reckon. <laughs> and, then, and then he says this, from that time on, do as the occasion requires because God is with you. And see, that's what Jesus is saying to us. You receive power so that you can stand in the midst of broken humanity and do whatever the occasion demands. Do whatever's needed. The Bible says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. If you're sick, you want somebody to come lay hands on you and heal you. Come on. If you've got brokenness in your family relationships, you want somebody to step in the midst of that with the power of God and break some stuff. If you're struggling with finance, you need somebody to come and believe with you and take authority over spirits of poverty and debt and unbelief and, and the eroding spirits of darkness that come to devour your financial well-being and begin to prophesy and speak provision and abundance and, and, and the flow of God's goodness into your life. Come on, somebody, do unto others as uh, you would have them do unto you. See, see, you reap what you sow. 
And so often we're sitting in the corner sucking our thumbs, feeling sorry for ourselves, asking God for a miracle. And he's saying, why don't you step up into the authority that you've been given and meet somebody else's need in my power and then you'll reap what you sow. See, it's now become a, a vehicle for the power of God and meeting other people's needs. And suddenly in the minute, midst of it, your own needs get met. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You give the Lord a praise. Talk among yourselves. I've lost my notes. <laughs> Do as the, as the occasion demands. Why? Because God is with you. Day of Pentecost, the crowd's milling around. They don't know what's going on. Sometimes these guys are drunk. Peter does what the occasion demands. He stands up and preaches. He starts to explain what's going on. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. He gives understanding and insight. 3,000 people get saved. Peter and John go to the gate of the temple and here's this crippled man, crippled for 40 years. And they say, mate, we don't have silver and gold, but we got something else. We carry something. And in the name of Jesus, and actually the Bible says they lifted him up. They took him. The miracle didn't happen when they spoke. The miracle happened when they activated their faith. They took him by the hand, it says, and as they pulled him up, his ankles were strengthened. How many know there's faith, there's courage. You've got to step out of your comfort zone. <laughs> Mark 16, Jesus said, these signs shall follow those who believe. And actually, the signs of what you believe are all around your life right now. Right now. And unfortunately, the church is full of unbelieving believers. We give mental assent to the Scriptures, but we don't have conviction about them. We don't have faith for them. Because there's no revelation, because we don't meditate on the things we need to meditate on. Uh, you know, the, the best way to change your life is to look at the areas where you need to grow and begin to meditate on those scriptures. And if you want to be a miracle worker, that's what you've got to do. See, what I found I had to do, because what was happening, once we stepped into this arena and we had a few miracles happen, then suddenly you've got people coming everywhere. And I'm going, my God, I haven't got faith for this. I don't know. I'm just... I'm way out of my depth. How many know he wants to take you way out of your depth? And then I started to get in the Word, see. The works that I do. If you believe, if you believe, if you've got a conviction about it, if you've prepared your heart so that there's faith and fire and intensity and expectation, see, We had a girl bought out, four years old. She was born without an ankle and without a foot. I didn't know that because her leg was in a plaster cast. Thank God I didn't know. They just bring her out. And what had happened, I discovered later, her leg at the bottom just had a lump of flesh. No ankle joint, no foot. So they put a plaster cast around it so this little four-year-old could run around. So her mother brings her out in one of the... I think it was our second miracle service. She brings her out towards the end of the ministry time, actually. And she, she just said something about her, her daughter's foot or whatever it was. And I, I don't remember what she said because 
in those days we were ministering to a lot of people and I wasn't really taking much notice of what they needed. We were just releasing the power of God because that's just the way it was, you know, just impart the anointing. And, um, and so we ministered to her and on Tuesday morning the phone in my office goes and I've got this woman that's laughing and crying and screaming at me over the phone. And what had happened, you know, you're kind of trying to go, what the heck's this, you know? And, and what had happened was because this kid's four years old, they have to change the plaster cast very regularly because she's growing. And so what has happened on Tuesday, they go into the hospital to change the plaster cast. And as the doctor cuts the plaster cast off, a perfectly formed foot and ankle joint folded out. See? And... You know, it's, it's got nothing to do with me. It's not about that. See, Jesus said those, those that believe, it's not the preacher, not some special meeting. It's you becoming obedient to the instruction of the Word of God, getting some faith in your heart, stepping out of your comfort zone, getting some fire in your belly and, and overcoming your fears and starting to impart what you're called to impart. Come on to be the church in the marketplace. I could spend all day telling you stories. I've seen two people raised from the dead. I've seen dozens of miracles, 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 miracles. And, and every time I step into it, I'm still scared. But I have got a bit of history. <laughs> and I know God's faithful to His Word. He's just looking for people that'll... I think people, I think God honours people that's, that just, you know, learn to become a little bit radical. I pray for people everywhere. Minister to them everywhere. I've seen people touched by the power of God. And, I, and don't get spooky. Don't, don't get spiritual. You know, just say, in Jesus' name. Just... Just give God a chance. Come on, somebody. See, see the, one of the things that frustrates me about this is that it's so simple. You don't have to go to a seminar. You don't have to learn anything. You just got to do it. I found, I, I was saying to the earlier service, I, I never saw anybody healed under my ministry until I started praying for the sick. Actually, the Bible doesn't tell you to pray for the sick. You're not meant to pray for the sick unless you're an elder anointing somebody with oil. You're meant to minister to the sick. He's given you power to heal. So it's not about going to a sick person or somebody in need and saying, oh God, please heal. No, you heal them. Come on. Take authority over it and impart the anointing. It's as simple as that. And anybody can do it. Turn to somebody and say he's talking to you. Amen. <laughs> oh, gee. I love this. Time's gone already. I haven't even got to my notes. <laughs> you know, there's a few things. There's a few things you've got to realise. One, wrap up by two. No, I'll probably be done by half past anyway, but... Um, see, one is about perspective. Perspective is about having an expectation for miracles. So what is your perspective? See, what I find is a lot of people, they don't really believe. So they, they leave it up to somebody else. They hope, 
I hope it'll happen. No, 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 no. You can't op- you're not meant to minister out of hope. You're not meant to pray out of hope. You're meant to pray out of faith, out of conviction, out of expectation. Hope is of your mind and of the future, but faith rises up according to Hebrews 11.1 1, and takes hold of what you hope for and brings it into the present. So because we don't really believe, we don't have an expectation. We don't anticipate. So we don't step into that arena to become the vehicle of faith that God is looking for to release His glory. See, miracles display the glory. The first, the first miracle Jesus did, it says the disciples saw the glory of God. And God's intention is that the whole earth be filled with His glory. So how's that going to happen? With people like you and me who become a vehicle for the display of His glory. When we start to step out of our comfort zone, begin to rise up and mature as men and women of God, sons and daughters of the King, begin to take our authority and begin to exercise the anointing and the giftings that God's already given us. It's not hard. You just got to do it. Fake it till you make it. Amen. That's what you Listen, you will never think yourself into faith. You'll only ever act yourself into faith. So if you sit there thinking, well, I'll wait until I feel like I've got it. you got it now. You've just got to step into it and start functioning. Amen. <laughs> Process. Process is about taking steps to align yourself with the purposes of God in revealing His glory. Process is about preparation. Preparing yourself mentally and emotionally. How many know for Peter and John, uh, John is at the t- temple, they grab and hold of this guy's hand and saying, in the name of Jesus. How many know there's an emotional hurdle to get over right there? So, so you've got to be prepared. See, it's not, about, it's not your responsibility in one sense. It's your, you've got to be responsible with what you're given and the responsibility for the result is up to God. However, John G. Lake in his training used to say to the people that he trained, you know, it's your responsibility to get them healed. And he would allocate to them somebody who's too ill to come to the healing houses or come to the meetings. And that meant they're on their deathbed. And they're not allowed to come back until the person's healed. In his 20 years of ministry doing that, there wasn't one person that didn't come back. In other words, every single person got healed. See, if you take responsibility, God will honour that. And uh, you know when that passage in Mark 16 talks about casting out devils in his name, these signs, follow those that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Listen, listen. Do you believe that when you lay hands on somebody, there's an impartation of spirit, life and power that changes things? Because if you don't, you need to change that. See, I believe every time I lay hands on somebody, something shifts. They may not get instantly healed, but there's a process begun. I believe that every time I step into a broken situation of marriages and families and, and, and kids off the rails and I, and I step into that kid's bedroom when they're not there and anoint the pillow with oil and prophesy in that room, I can promise you something's shifting right then. Right then, something's shifting. 
But if you don't believe, it's not going to happen. God doesn't respond to hope. He responds to faith. So you've got to, you know, you've got to enter into the process because miracles occur when preparation and destiny collide. Miracles occur when preparation and promises meet together. Perseverance, you've got to continue in faith and expectation. I was saying to the earlier meeting, you've got to remember this, that miracles are horrible before they happen. If it wasn't horrible, you didn't need a miracle. So the problem is, the worse it gets, the more chance you've got of a miracle. Come on, turn to somebody. When you're racked with pain, that's great. That's the time for the miracle. When you're so broke, you, you can't work out where the next dollars come from. That's the time for the miracle. Come on. When everything's looking terrible, that's the time when God just wants to break through and display His love and His power and His glory and turn things around. Because then you can't say, look at what I did. You have to go and say, man, I was beyond myself. I was looking up to the bottom and He came and broke through. (laughs) You've got to put yourself in position so that if God doesn't come through, you're not going to make it. That's what faith is. Faith is risky to the natural man. If you're not outside your comfort zone, you're not working in faith. With your finances, with your health. See, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, you know, pull back on their giving because they're tight financially. That's the craziest thing you could ever do. That's a denial of your faith and it's a denial of the Scriptures. My wife and I have just been through probably one of the most challenging times financially we've ever been through. And in the middle of it, our, our home church was taking up their annual miracle offering. And we didn't look at our money. We said, Lord, what do you want us to give? And we made a pledge for the next year, which is crazy. But it's not crazy because the Lord spoke to both of us independently. He spoke to my wife, spoke to me, gave us the same figure, and we just jumped in. I don't know how it's going to work, but I know he'll see us through. You've got you to learn to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Not by sight, not by your budget. You've got to break out of that. Listen, you will never get a breakthrough by operating on principles. The principle of tithing or the principle of whatever, you will not get a breakthrough. You will get cause and effect. If you want a breakthrough, you've got to hear what God's saying. You've got to hear what God's saying. You've got to listen to Him. That's a word for some of you here because I feel, I feel financial oppression in the place. And, and you will not get free of it by trying to work it out yourself. You will not get free of it by trying to budget. You will not get free of it. Uh, you know, Jacob sowed in the middle of a famine and got a hundredfold return. You know, it's got nothing to do with circumstance. It's got nothing to do with the environment. It's got everything to do with your faith, the revelation you have about Scripture and your ability to hear from God and be obedient. Come on, somebody. Turn to somebody and say, I think you're talking to me. (laughs) Anyway, I reckon I'm done. I reckon I'm done. (laughs) Listen, listen. I want you to think for a minute with me. It is God's intention that His power be seen as an expression of love everywhere around the world. Everywhere. And, and the gospel message, the, the proclamation that Jesus died for your sins 
is true, but it's incomplete. We believe in the full gospel, which is more than just a message. It's a power encounter. So the people are touched by the presence and the power of God. Jesus said when he's trying to explain to Nicodemus about being born again, you know, and Nicodemus is going, I'm old, how can I be born again? And, and, and Jesus said, Nicodemus, the Spirit moves. You can't tell where it comes from, or you can't tell where he's going. But there's evidence of his presence. Nicodemus, this is how people get born again. You can't work it out in your mind. You, you can't be born again in the natural, but now you've got to be born of the Spirit and it's a work of the Spirit. And so something happens in people's hearts and lives that you can't fully explain, but there's evidence of it. So he said, this is how people get born again. But then the text also says, this is the way people are who have been born again. There's some, some mystical element of tapping in to the breeze. And positioning ourselves that, that, that the breeze can blow in and through us and touch somebody else's life. Come on, somebody. Come on. And I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if, say, 50 people out of this church made a commitment to be a miracle worker. See, see miracles have to be worked. They don't happen. The gift of the working of miracles. So Jesus went about doing miracles. You've got to do them. I wonder what would happen if 50 people kind of made a commitment, going, God, I'm going to step into this realm. I'm going to be a carrier of your presence and power. I'm going to start looking for people to lay hands on and believe for your healing power to flow through them. I'm going to look for situations where people are broken and step in the middle of it and just speak your name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And those that come under that, something shifts. You don't have to learn to pray a certain way. You know, you just got to give God a chance. I reckon, see, 12 Men, maybe a few others, I don't know, they turned Jerusalem upside down. The, the ruler said, you, you've turned the city upside down. Well, somebody needs to turn this region upside down, for goodness sake. And if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? Come on, you be the change you want to see. Don't go looking for somebody else. You stand up and take a hold of your authority, take a hold of the promises of God and begin to function. Instead of dysfunction, <laughs> lack of function. <laughs> Come on, stand with me across this place. <clears throat> Come on, music team, worship team. Come and help us. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, if we could get hold of this, man, I could tell you stories all day. It brings, there's a chain of grace, you know. When one life is powerfully touched, they know other people. I love it when people get dramatically impacted because all of a sudden they've got family and friends saying, what happened to you? How come this and how come that? And, and you know, that should not be foreign to our thinking. That's what the kingdom is about. Jesus said, when the sick are healed, you'll know the kingdom has come. 
He'll say, when you cast out spirits by the finger of God, you know the kingdom has come. The kingdom of God, see, not a matter of words, it's a matter of power. It's not about what you know doctrinally, it's about what you can do. That's what Paul said to the Corinthians. When I come, I'm not going to be interested in your doctrine, I'm going to be interested in your power. I'm going to want to see what your power is. Because at the end of the day, the kingdom, this is what he's talking about. See, he's saying the kingdom's not about words, it's about power. And the power has been given. You are a vehicle for the presence and power of God. He lives in you. You don't have to call Him down. You don't have to drag Him up. You just got to let Him out. Come on. Come on. Come on. Father, help us. Oh, God, I take authority over all the religious uh, mindsets and things that would restrict and limit every fear, every... Uh, anxiety, every intimidation. The fear of man is a snare. Father, break that snare off your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, let that fear be gone. Come on, come on, church. Step out of your comfort zone. Step into the realm that you were meant to function and live in. Oh, God, help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. I just feel like God's looking for people that'll make a decision even right now in your heart. You say, God, I'm in. God, I'm in. I'm going to be one. I'm going to learn. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to be one. Then when I jump across people in life that are broken, when I bump into people that need healing, when I bump into people that are going through stuff, I'm going to step into the middle of it. I'm going to do as the occasion demands because you are with me and I'm going to be a vehicle just to release your power, to release your love, to release your healing virtue. If that's you, come on, stretch your hand up to the Lord. If that's you, just say, count me in. Lord, I'm positioning myself right now. I'm aligning myself right now. Father, touch your people. Let there come a grace upon their life. Let there come passion, conviction. Oh God, the ability to walk into the fullness of all that you intend in the name of Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.